Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good evening, Paige. Good evening. So um, today's episode is going to be about oversharing, which seems to be a a common topic among people with ADHD, um, definitely in my coaching, it's a common topic. So a little outline for tonight is going to be that we're going to talk about what oversharing is, some reasons why people might overshare, um, outcomes or consequences from oversharing that could potentially happen, and then um, hacks, tools, ideas, strategies, whatever you want to call them for um how not to overshare. So Paige, take it away. Okay, so first, what is oversharing? First, what is oversharing? Um, Oversharing is telling someone something personal or inappropriate in an environment, in that environment or that person so like there's inappropriate like or there's wrong people to tell stuff to and then there's bad like areas like oh yeah environments and then there are bad like not inappropriate like people to tell that information to um yeah and then next um why reasons why people overshare so um well the reason why I overshare is usually to feel included because like there'll be like a group of people just like over there and I'm like near them but not part of the current conversation so I'll be like I want to be part of this conversation too so I'll just like butt in which is also rude but I want to feel included um I usually overshare because I might be anxious or nervous, really nervous, right? Nervous. So Um, that's a common reason. um, Just to fill silence Uh Um, or um, as like an impulsive thing, because we ADHD years are rather impulsive. So um, it's usually an accident. We don't go around trying to overshare, or at least I hope you don't. I know I do it accidentally. Um, And then low self-esteem is one. Um, People with ADHD tend to have a lower self-esteem than their neurotypical peers. And then children, children do it to look cool or to get attention. I know I probably most definitely did that as a child, and the attention I got was never um, good attention. It was always negative, but it was still attention, so I still, like, continued to do it because it did what I wanted it to do. Um, see here. Next. So just tell me a little bit about how... Um, anxiety or low self-esteem show up for you when you're oversharing or have in the past? Just some real world examples. Okay. Um, 
Uh, well, anxiousness, I think like maybe not like anxious, anxious, but I'll get like flustered. So like people at work, like I have a boyfriend and the people, my friends at work like to like, try to get me all flustered by like talking about him or mentioning him really. And then they'll know like, I'll like get flustered because I like this guy and he like, uh, then I'll get like happy and stuff and I'll just like feel this like sension of being like overwhelmed or not necessarily anxious, but like fl flustered and I'll just like start like talking about him, not really thinking of what I'm saying. Impulsively. Impulsively just like talking about him because I, I like him and I like talking about him. So Sure, that's a huge um, like dopamine hit. Yeah, so that's that makes one thing, sense. But they they do it on purpose, which I don't really appreciate. But they do it in a loving way. And then um, low self esteem, um, maybe to like express to someone else like to express how you feel to someone. So like, if you're feeling like or at least if I'm feeling particularly like low, I'll just like want to talk to someone, but I won't necessarily used to just tell anyone, but I'm more, I guess, aware. I don't really do it anymore. I think, I mean, like sometimes I do, but I'm more selective as to who I share that more vulnerable side with. Sure. But Not like just a, anyone. in the past, though, how has a low like your low self-esteem definitely played into oversharing? Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did I just call you out? Sorry. <laughs> um, so what about like, I don't know, like what was going on in your head in the past that you were like, oh, I'm going to share this or I'm joking or, or, or was there nothing going on in your head and it just spelled out? Maybe, um, maybe a bit of both. Maybe it was again, like an impulsive thing. And I just like felt like maybe if I share, maybe I'll go away or I'll feel better about it. If I can like express to someone how I feel or whatever, or I'll just like not really think and just be like, just telling, just like say it and not really thinking about it. So that's but the impulsive piece, right? I do a lot of impulsive things. Impulsivity is something that apparently my brain likes to do. Is definitely one of your bigger ADHD challenges for sure. Um, but one that you've really worked on hard and gotten control over. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the future on other episodes. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about potential outcomes for um, inappropriate sharing okay. or oversharing. So one is you embarrass yourself or others. Um, I don't really, at least I don't think I've ever done one that like embarrasses someone else necessarily I might have I tend to more embarrass myself I'm good at doing that um so um embarrassing yourself or others um people might become angry with you for like sharing information about 
the other people. So like, like my sister, Alexis, who we talked about in the last episode, she has some, she has spina bifida. So she has like a lot of different medical challenges, challenges. And so it'd be like me going to someone, let's say Kevin, I don't know what Kevin, but let's say I tell Kevin all this information about Alexis. Alexis, well, Alexis might not be that upset about it because Alexis is like the sweetest person, but my mom would be pretty angry with me if I just like spewed all of this information to Kevin about Alexis that I had no right. She is actually a pretty (laughs) private person when it comes to her medical stuff, right? Like she's happy to share with like other people with spina bifida to help them. Right, but she doesn't want everybody knowing her business. I don't necessarily, like, even, I think even my best friends don't really know everything, everything about it. So, like, if she's, like, going through, like, something or if she's, like, in the hospital or something, I don't talk about it. I just keep that to myself, even if it's something that's bothering me and they can tell that it's bothering me because they're really good at telling when I'm upset, I'll still be just be like nothing. Or I'll like say like something like, oh, just like my sister's blah, blah, blah. But I won't like go into like information about it. Right. But the potential a, outcome could be that if you did, she would be upset with you. She either would be upset or I just don't want to cry. And talking about it would make me cry. So I then I choose not to. I don't really know which one it is. But um, at work you're you would or the next one is at work you would be seen as a gossip and then not taken seriously because I mean I don't know there are a few people I don't think they have ADHD I think they have like they definitely have something else going on but there are some people at my work who like everyone knows Like, don't tell that person unless you want it to go around the whole store. But if you do want it to go around the whole store, you know where to go. (laughs) So, um, right. But what do people think about those people at work? They're not very, honestly, they're not very, like, people are actually pretty mean about it to them. Right. Exactly. To them, which I think is unfair, but also they shouldn't be this, like, just talking Gossiping. about everyone. Sure. Oh, we're taking a coughing break. Oh, Paige has COVID. She's sequestered to our room. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on. Um, it might push people away. So, cause like no one wants to hear all of these like awkward things or maybe not awkward but like these TMI things like no one wants to be around someone that always talks about like things that you don't really need to know about or even like it's hard to trust somebody who's already always gossiping I wouldn't want to confide in them because then I I know my stuff someone who shares too much about themselves or just willy-nilly shares about other people so um what other uh, outcomes can you think of in a relationship it might be like pretty bad in a relationship it might like ruin a relationship if like let's say like 
let's say Kevin and Sarah are dating and Sarah shares all of this information like and let's say like something bad happened in Kevin's life like let's say like someone died like grand Kevin's grandfather died and he was like super sick or something and then Sarah goes to her friends or like her co-workers and talks about Kevin's grandfather and how he had like cancer or whatever I don't know um Kevin and if Kevin found out about that I would imagine Kevin would be pretty mad at Sarah and like wouldn't trust Sarah right I don't know even if it's like more personal things that come in up in a relationship like yeah childhood trauma that right if you guys have a fight and you gossip about it or if somebody has some childhood trauma and you gossip about it that's not that's that's going to damage the relationship for sure that's not cool okay so um should we move on to strategies to potentially avoid yeah okay okay so hacks or strategies or whatever you want to call them um counting before you answer uh I think I kind of well like I won't count but like I'll take a second to collect all my thoughts because I ramble and I trip up over my words especially if I'm flustered I'll just like things will just come out of my mouth and they won't necessarily make sense or like my my mouth just like it doesn't work sometimes so I'll always like take a minute to collect all my thoughts and how I want to say it and then I'll talk I definitely have clients that do this as well they might they might like count to five or they might say the word pause to make themselves pause not always out loud. Usually okay. it's in their head. I was head. about to say, like, um, that's weird. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, whatever works for you. I have one client that just says break. And sometimes he does say it out loud, but most people around him know what he's doing. So he doesn't, and he doesn't care. Okay. Um, right. But in some way, like forcing yourself to take that pause so that you have time to assess the situation and what is being asked of you and answering only what's being asked of you. Um, next, um, practicing answers in advance. I do this. I, I definitely do this. In fact, the guy that I'm dating now for the first time that we met, my mom and I in the car on the way there practiced these because I, I was nervous. I was nervous and I like didn't want to, you know, embarrass myself in front of this guy. So uh, we practiced some questions and everything was cool. Didn't make me any less nervous, but I knew what I was supposed to say and I didn't ramble. Um, Practicing is always good. Um, Next, um, setting boundaries for different groups of people. Uh, This is one that I... Well, like a lot of these ones we like saw online when we were like doing research, but this setting boundaries one is something that was my personal thing that I've created. So in the last episode, I talked about this relationship that I was in particularly, it was a particularly like um, bad relationship. 
what? Horrid. I used horrid, the word horrid. Horrid. Um, <laughs> horrid. Terrible. Uh, poor decision. Whatever. Worst you ever. It. Worst ever. Um, I was in a bad, toxic, abuse, well, verbally and mentally abusive relationship with this guy for, it was a long time ago. It was like five years ago, I think. And at that time, I wasn't, I was already in not a great mental space. We had just moved. I was recently at that time diagnosed with autism or Asperger's is technically what I was diagnosed with, but, and I was not taking that diagnosis very well whatsoever. I was actually honestly or the kind move. of offended or the move. I was just like, a big not change a, was it was not a big change good. it was um I had dropped out of college I had my first year at a university and I didn't like that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast and oh yeah it is um but so that time wasn't good and I had met this guy and so I didn't really have any boundaries ever set up no, so none. I didn't know when to be like okay now you should stop talking so I just like kept on spewing all of this information to this narcissistic man and that's that because I told him my diagnosis is first and then way he, too early way too early it was like the first day that we met too and which you should not do I do not Don't recommend do that, that. Yeah. I recommend um, waiting a while that could I, be a whole episode that can be a whole episode though we'll talk more about that and then um and so after I had told him mine he was able to set up his in a way that made me feel more comfortable with him lulled into safety more safe and like okay with him so I would felt more comfortable telling him things that I definitely shouldn't have but that's okay that that part's over we don't talk to him anymore um, but right, no. so when did this idea of boundaries come up that you after, started setting? So yeah. after we had like, so we had broken up, well, he broke up with me, um, like the day after our five month anniversary, I specifically remember that, but, um, it was right after that. And then we were friends for a few more months. And then it wasn't until he went total asshole on me and like started like texting, like we got into this huge fight. I don't remember what the fight was about. I don't remember why he was mad at me. I don't remember what I did wrong or if I did anything wrong, but he like started, he basically called me something really mean and like used continuously used all of these really mean words that he knew I didn't like and that I found offensive and he would continuously use them and call me these things. And, and he would, um, and after he had like started telling other people all of this information too, I, and after I had like gone into like therapy and stuff is when I did the boundary thing. So tell me how that boundary tool works. Cause they use it, people use it in other fields as well. Right. So like these circles of support is what they're called, right? So you founded it therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, other people find it in other places, but it's often used in like the disability community for support for somebody who's disabled um, or other areas so that people can 
do exactly what we're talking about, right? Like setting up boundaries in advance of needing them because that's the only time that boundaries are helpful. Boundaries are not helpful after the fact, <laughs> as you can attest. Um, so tell me how those like circles of support work for you. Like what my circles are? Just like how you, how you decide it, who belongs into what circles and then what the boundary is for those circles. Oh, okay. So I have, I wish we had like a graph or something, (laughs) but you're going to have to visualize it. So it's like an onion, visualize the half of an onion. So in the little, the little part, the little circle is myself and it would be like best friend or family. It's me and family. So those people would know pretty much everything. I mean, like I would tell my mom, pretty much everything I don't want to hear about you and your boyfriend but yeah (laughs) or you and your boyfriend you and your significant other tech issue trust yeah what there was a slight tech issue but we're good oh um and then the circle after that slightly larger small circle is you and your best friends so Best friends and friends are completely different. It's good Mm -hmm. to establish whatever you want to define them as. I define a best friend as someone who I can call at any time and they will support me or pick up or text me, even if it's not right away and they see that they have like a missed call or something, they'll answer back. And they'll like have my back. So I have a few of those and they know a lot too. They might, they probably, I was jokingly said they know everything except for like bodily, bodily, like functions, bodily functions, that stuff. I don't tell them, but like, they may not know like quite as personal information as maybe a family member would, but they know pretty much, they know more than the other circles that are Mm -hmm. larger than them and then next circle is normal friends so people that you will say hi to and people that like you're friendly with and people that you say more than just hi to you can have like a conversation with these people and these people know a little bit more about your life and then next biggest circle uh acquainted strangers so people like so at my work I work with customers there are some customers that use the service that I work in regularly so those people would be acquainted strangers because I know them by name and they they are here every week so like we like talk and then next large circle is strangers no I think yeah yeah. yes strangers so these are you all know what strangers are strangers are people that you don't know um and then and what do they know about you nothing really they know they know they know um hey how are you doing oh I'm doing okay even if I'm not doing okay just to like polite I'll just tell you that I'm doing fine or potentially even less right these are people who like are in the groceries line behind you or 
um, in the a waiting room with you. That's that's sitting next to you waiting for gas. Um, I think there's another circle. Nope, Is there that was it. Circle? Okay. There wasn't. That was all your circles that we Oops. came up with. Okay. Um, because we did talk about this beforehand. Yes. Of this, course. We practiced. We practiced we always our practice. answers beforehand. We always practice. Um, we also talked about this idea of call, like trusted persons. So those first two inner circles, who would be people who would call us in, as opposed to calling us out. So these are people who you could go to, this is also like another strategy, right? Who you could go to though, who would be able to say, no, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't tell the boyfriend you just met X, right? Because you can run it by that trusted person first, right? So that's another hack. But there are also people who use this idea of calling you in as opposed to calling you out. So call that um, calling people out is generally like kind of rude to do, right? It's like standing in front of a group of people and going, dude, that wasn't cool. I don't appreciate that. Or um, you really embarrassed me, but embarrassing them in front of people, right? Um, calling people in really involves more of a like private, like, oh, I noticed you did whatever. And I don't think you should do that. Right. Or I don't think that's right. Or um, I do it really often with people in either business groups with me or volunteer groups with me that use the word handicap. It's a really offensive word to my family. It's actually a really offensive word in general, but it's a really offensive word <laughs> in my family, particularly because our daughter uses wheelchair. And, um, and so privately, I will pull people aside and say, hey, just so you know, the like current language is to say disabled or accessible parking, not handicapped parking. Um, so that idea of like calling people in, that's going to be like your first two inner layers inside that circle, right? Um, which we talked about. What else? Other thoughts or anything to make yourself feel like we've come to a good conclusion, Paige? Or are you good? I think we're good. Awesome. All right. Um, I'm going to let her rest now because she's not feeling well. And we will hear from you guys next week. Um, you can reach us at the ND toolbox at gmail.com. And um, our, I should really have the website address in front of me, but you can hear it on the last podcast where I said it and I will have it in front of me next time because that's just how we do things. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox. 